0: Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.
1: Kansas City, what's going on?
0: What's happening, everybody?
1: What's going on in Kansas City right now It's players only? Here again, another week, they let us back on. Sure did. When we get a chance to chop it up with you for an hour, talking Chiefs football, things on the field, off the field, just a great time, great opportunity each and every week. As Players Only, if this is the first time you have tuned in, Players Only is the beginnings of it was a players forum for us to just chat and chop it up about everything that goes on as far as professional athletes on and off the field, in society, politics, whatever comes up. And we love doing it each and every week. I am here with Joe
0: Maze. What's happening? It's the Halloween edition too. So what's
1: what's what, what is this um, get up you got on? I'm trying to figure out is is it a costume or you just was lazy getting dressed today?
0: Well, the thing is, it can serve as both purposes, right? So I'm I was super lazy. I got up kind of <laughs> late. Had to get my son ready for school. So I'm doing the first thing that came to mind, where it was super simple. So I got on the onesie today. But I can also use that as my costume. So, Cause now I'm walking around here like a bad baby. Were you a bad baby? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was. He <laughs> was a handful. Yeah. I mean, I was the one that was <laughs> that would go and snatch, you know, people food off the off the oh. plate, and you know they catch me running around with a chicken bone in my mouth. Like, yeah, I was the I was that baby.
1: You was that guy. I eight, was eight years in the NFL. Yes, sir. Chicago native, sixth round draft pick, played for multiple teams, including the Chiefs. Yep. yep. Great to be here with you and our guest. Let me tell you about this young man. He's, I still consider him a young man. He's younger than me. Both of y'all younger than me. <laughs> University of Maryland, graduate. Terps. Undrafted out of college, but got here, made some noise immediately. Actually, my, my last year with the Kansas City Chiefs was his first year here in Kansas City. played 10 years in the NFL, was second team All-Pro in 2000. Led the team with 14 sacks and just 11 starts that year. He's only he, at that time he was the fourth chief player to ever get that many sacks in one season. The one and only defensive end, Marilyn Terp. There we go. Eric Hicks, what's going on, E? Hey, happy
2: Happy Halloween, everybody! It's good to be with you, Dan and Joe. It's good to meet you for yeah. the first time. Yes, Obviously, sir. I I know who you are, but um. It's good to be here on a Thursday. At least it warmed up a little
0: bit. Yeah, Tabit, sun came out a little bit. It got rid of that black ice because it was a little slippery this morning. But it's definitely a pleasure to meet you. And he just talked you up real big, man. That's I mean, guy, man. Yeah, I mean, and and you know what? It's it's actually surprising because you know the last few weeks we've had <laughs> offensive guys on the show. So for him to talk you up so big, being a defensive guy, it's like, oh wow. I've never heard anything like it. So. I, you know, yeah. he
1: hasn't heard me talk uh, glowingly about defensive guys. Never. You know, my stomach is hurting right now because I had to, right? I felt like I had to, but me and Ego way back. I don't know if Eric remembers this. As a rookie, he came in, and I think you came to the house, and my wife made, like, some lasagna or something?
2: Yeah, yeah, she did. Lasagna and salad and everything. Another anecdote from day and two, we are um, we're standing in San Diego, at Jack Murphy's, when it was Jack, Jack Murphy's Murphy stadium, stadium yeah. by then. And uh, we were up 14 to nothing, and everybody, juices pumping and everything. And it was right before Thanksgiving, and um, Dayton invited me to Thanksgiving. That's oh, right, man. That's, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah. On
0: the field? On the field. Dude. On the field, you um, invited him to
1: Thanksgiving. That tells you where my focus was.
0: Man, it was on the food. It wasn't <laughs> right, on the game. Thanksgiving.
1: I wanted some dressing, man. I'm all about that cranberry sauce. We're gonna get to that in a, a few weeks. We're gonna talk about <laughs> the favorite Thanksgiving meals. But yeah, Eric was my guy, man. We kind of we kind of connected as soon as he came to Kansas City, mm-hmm. and just like you, sixth round pick, myself, seventh round pick, he was a undrafted free agent. Man. Just like you, just kind of gravitate towards the blue collar cats that are all about the business, all about trying to make their way, mm-hmm. feel like they were overlooked, and. Ten years later for him, six years later for me, you know, you were, tell me again, how many years? Eight eight years, years,
0: yeah, man. I mean, you know, we had to grind for it. You know, we didn't have people knocking down our door, you know, calling us in the second, third round. Like me, I got my first call in the fifth round. And it was the Washington Redskins. They called me to ask me to sign with them as a, as a, uh, a priority free agent. And I'm like, it's still two rounds left. Like, yeah. why would you call me this early to ask me to sign with you as a free agent? I want to get drafted. So, uh, you know what, man? The Eagles took a chance on me, and I and I just had to take care of business from there.
1: I know for me personally, the draft, the NFL draft. I know people will probably look at it as I'm um, crazy, but it was the worst day of my life. Really, up until that point, I was supposed to be supposed to be quote a second or third round pick. And I broke my foot at the hula bowl. Mm. I was playing professional baseball.
0: I think they're bringing that back. Yeah, I saw that today. Yeah, they're bringing bringing that back, back, by the way. yeah, I love
1: that. You know who was my coach there? Eddie Robinson. Really? Grambling. Eddie Robinson versus Lou Holtz were the two coaches. So, great great experience, but I broke my foot and um, played professional baseball. So, I had two things against me in the eyes of a lot of scouts, whether I was going to go to the baseball field or stick with football. And... The year before that, I got drafted in the third round in uh professional baseball. So oh, nice. it was always, you know, that was where my expectations were. Right. You know, early first day, have a party. It was miserable. <laughs> it was miserable to that seventh round. So, you know, I know E, you you know, you went undrafted as well and had to had to uh scatter and figure out what what your next move was. How you know, how was that?
2: It was uh it was a little bit different. I had a slightly unheralded career at Maryland. I started all four years, started as a true freshman in ACC, um, which was a big-time conference back then, back Florida State had. I remember the last game ever played against Florida State, they had Walter Jones and Trey Thomas at offensive tackle. Oh, boy. Two (laughs) two top (laughs) ten picks. But, um, you know, I I really was hoping for a a late-round selection. Um, Ended up getting a call in the seventh round from the Chiefs, which is the only draft visit I took. Beforehand, oh wow! And um, they said we're going to try to to slip you in one of these seventh round seventh round picks, mm-hmm. and uh, just ended up signing with them uh, after the draft ended. So you know you got in there. I was a skinny, 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 skinny thing, <laughs> and uh, I don't know how I survived that locker room. First of all, oh man, that, <laughs> that 1998 <year. laughs> team,
1: 98. We had Chester McLaughlin, Leslie O'Neill, Derek Thomas, Dale
2: Carter, Dale Carter, Wayne Simmons.
1: Yep. Wayne Simmons. Andre
2: Ryzen. Andre. Andre. Man. <laughs> <Vanna> over Vanover, Bam <laughs> Morris.
1: DA, Derek Alexander. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. We, had, we had some characters in that deal. I mean, we had a good team. We were better than our record if there's ever such a thing. We well, were,
2: we, we were, were supposed to go 16 and 0 that year. Yeah. Um, because they brought in a whole bunch of free agents, Chester mm-hmm. McLaughlin. Uh, and we went to Japan and uh, our defense and offense took dispatched Green Bay yeah. in the, the first quarter of that game.
1: Yeah. Brett Favre. Yep.
2: Yeah, and uh, we were supposed to go 16-0, and but it uh, didn't work. It started off hot. We who um, we played the Raiders the first yeah. first game of that season. The defense had 12 sacks. Derek Thomas had six of them himself. Mm-hmm. And I said, this was perfect. There's no way. <laughs> 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 These guys are unbelievable. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Jeff George was hurting that night.
1: Yeah, we had the – and that was the uh, year of the Monday night meltdown.
2: Was the year of the Monday night. Yeah. only time next- I ever seen Lamar Hunt mad.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that year, that game, we played against the Denver Broncos Monday night. And, what, they started somewhere around the 20-yard t- line and five penalties later, they were in the red zone type of deal. We had fights. and
2: yeah, yeah. Bubby Brister is a quarterback. Um, Shannon Sharp and DT yeah, had Shannon had, had a little head. things going going on that night. Shannon DT, the rest in peace. Yep. Love Shannon Sharp. But, yeah, that was an interesting night.
1: So, guys, there's a lot going on, obviously, in, in Kansas City. Uh, besides the weather, and happy Halloween to everyone out there. Yes. Kids, stay safe. Parents don't have those kids walking around just in their uh, costumes man, with man, no jackets inside. and coats. Yeah. Get some candy and get back in the house. Go out for seconds or whatever. But be safe out there. Uh, but like you guys said, defenses.
0: Uh, Win championships.
1: I wasn't going to fill that blank in. But since you said it, I, you know, I'll go along because I'm outnumbered here.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah.
1: But we got, we got a, a big story here with Mahomes and his status. Uh, but, you know, from, people ask me each and every week about whether he should play, whether he shouldn't play. I was surprised that he got back on the practice field last week so quickly. Uh, but you're watching tapes and clips of him practicing and running full speed, but there's nobody chasing him. Right. there, You know, I don't see a whole bunch of lateral movement. Um Running straight ahead, you know, most guys. Heck, heck if you got a um, an ACL injury, you can pretty much run straight ahead. I mean, I, I saw a clip of Ronnie Lott. He pre- he played with a broken tibia, and in a game, he got it. It was broken in the first quarter, and then he continued to play. So sometimes, whether it's your mindset or just the type of injury, you can you can look like you are ready to play. Right. But the NFL is a total different ball game. So for me, in my perspective. I don't know where you guys stand. I think it's smart to keep Patrick Mahomes out um, if they have the luxury of winning this game and winning next week. I'd even go as far as to hold him out past Mexico, yeah, just because of the issues with the turf and the grass there. Um, that would be the safest bet, but definitely this week.
0: Definitely, I, I agree with you on that, man. I, I gotta, I, I feel that um, you know when he's rehabbing off an injury and plus he had another injury with the ankle, you got to give him time. Um, You don't want to rush back and you know how bad he wants to come back with, you know, with him being a a professional football player. We've all been there. We all didn't want to miss any time. So we understand where he's coming from. But at the end of the day, you got to take a look at, you know, the fact that he's going to have this injury and it's going to linger for a little bit. And also you're going to have these teams gunning for, for that ankle and that knee, that entire leg. So you got to, I mean, it's always best to just, you know, stay, stay careful, you know, uh, be as careful as you possibly can with your star quarterback and keep them out.
2: Well, one thing you can, there's two things you can think of. The AFC West is nowhere near where it used to yeah, be yeah. in the yeah. early 2000s when it was the finest division in professional football. Yeah. Um, it is not the same now. They have The Chiefs have the luxury of being able to hopefully stay a game or two ahead and uh, also You know, no fault of their own, but that offensive line, is banged up. Yeah, Yeah. And we saw that um, this past Monday Mm -hmm. or Sunday, whatever uh, day they played. Sunday night game. And um, he's not going to be able to move around. I don't think people understand what kind of animals are running around out there (laughs) uh, in professional football. Those guys are the finest athletes in the world. All you have to do is look at a a person who plays for the Chiefs, Tano Mm Passanio, who's probably 6'7", 295, Three hundred
1: and his arms are like seven. He has feet. to
2: spat his knuckles. I mean, he's
1: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah.
2: He's he's incredible to move to be able to be that big. And there's a lot of guys around there, yeah. around the league like that.
1: Yeah, I want I want to tackle some more about the defense uh, when we come back from break. I also want to open the door for the text line, the Protein House Eat with a Purpose text line six nine three zero six. Text in with your questions, your comments. We want to add it to the to this uh, uh cast right now and and see what it, see what everybody's opinions are about it and so on but when we come back I want to talk about the injury list and and the impact on this defense you guys are like a mash unit more so than the offense this is the most important guy that's hurt but then there's a whole list of other guys that are on that defensive side and how that impacts this team and more importantly is there any pressure thereof this is players only Welcome back, second quarter, players only. Joe Mays, Eric Hicks, and I am Danon Hughes. Let me read you a list, guys. Eric Fisher, LDT, Patrick Mahomes, Andrew Wiley, Okafor, Clark, Breland, Jones, Fuller. Somebody even in the back end that's out, Xavier Williams, Breland Speaks. I mean, that's, that's the MASH unit. I mean, it sounds like I should be like Mitch Holtis and I'm announcing a starting lineup. But that's the that's the mash unit. And obviously major names on both sides of the ball. But coming into this season, we knew what we had on offense. But the defense, I mean, we're looking at a defense that I don't think can sustain continued play. Yes, you can look at all the positives and say, okay, well, there's some young guys getting opportunities that may not have gotten them. You're getting to evaluate You know, it's good to have these injuries now instead of later in the season. Mm -hmm. But the fact remains is when you are a defense that hasn't played well, to me, they haven't really established their identity, although they played well these last two weeks. um, Like, I'm struggling to find how this defense, the impact, the the true impact of this defense and how that's going to help or hurt or sustain through the rest of this season yeah. i mean you guys are defensive guys yeah. so i mean maybe you see something that i don't see but i like i always look for okay there's an identity you know when when dt we were talking about when you were on the team in 98 and we had chester yeah we had we had some characters but there was an identity we were getting after people and gunther cunningham was the defense coordinator when in doubt blitz
2: rest in peace
1: yep r.i.p yeah. but you know, you guys see it from a perspective. I mean, I see it from an offensive guy's mindset and lens. You guys are defensive guys, like this defense.
0: Man, I mean, you know what? I think the most important thing that you just said uh, a little while ago was that it's allowing these young guys, you know, the chance to play. So when you allow the young guys to get that experience under their belt heading to, headed later into the season, now they feel like they're pretty experienced. They have that time. They, they know what to expect. They know how to work. They know how to practice. They know how to get ready for games. And then with them seeing, you know, being in there with with the live bullets, you know, flying as fast as they are, with them being able to keep up, it's only going to help this team and this defense. So, um, you know what, I, it may look bad. You know, you got a ton of guys out. You got a ton of your best guys out. But then again, you're allowing the opportunity for these young guys to go in there, get that playing time, get their experience up so that, you know, they can be called upon later in the season. I mean, you just never know where it could have went if these guys didn't go down. These te- the team still wouldn't know, you know, the players that they have and how they've been, how they would be able to, to uh, contribute.
2: Well, they spent a lot of money in the off season yeah. Yeah. and uh, got some some good quality players. Um, you know, there are young guys, which which is difficult because of defense. I always thought the most important thing was continuity. Yeah, uh, especially. Well, it could be on all three levels: D line, linebackers, or secondary. Mm-hmm. A lot of the defense is wink, wink, nod, nod. You know, give a little tap on your butt. Or some, I'm going to be here and be there, especially when they're an Arrowhead, mm-hmm. because you cannot hear anything literally on the field. There's nothing that you can hear, and the guy is, you know, four or five uh, feet away from you. But continuity is the one of the most important things on defense, like it is for offense and special teams and but all. I that. I think
1: it's more for defense. I yeah, mean, definitely. you guys, because for us. As a wide receiver, it's a run play and it's away from us. There's really – I mean, we can go down – back in the day, we were physical receivers, so we would go down and block and cut block and crack back and all that. But really, you're insignificant unless there's a break. For you guys, just about every single play, at least 10 of your guys are involved in that play. At least 10 are involved in specific places that they have to go, for specific gaps, for specific responsibilities. And like, E, you're talking about – you know, a guy four feet from you that you can't hear him. He can't hear you. You just got to, like, you're working on feel. You're working on what you practice and ba- basically what you feel.
2: You are, and a lot of guys don't wear mouthpieces in the NFL. A lot of people don't really know that because you do have to talk. It's talk, not the, yeah. the world's safest practice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I didn't wear one either.
2: Uh, but I couldn't. You
0: never wore one either? Nah. Oh, wow. Yeah, because, you know, you find yourself stumbling over words, mumbling, and nobody can understand you. And I learned that my first couple of years. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it wasn't a, a question of having to breathe hard. That's why I couldn't wear it. Is because that guy is right next to you, especially on the one end arrowhead away from the tunnel, mm-hmm. where you can hear absolutely nothing on that end. And you better, you better be lined up right, and you better execute right because offenses have a fun uh, have a um they can find a way to find the guy that's out of place.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know what? Um, it's unfortunate. I mean, I I I like the idea of the young guys getting opportunities. But I am concerned because uh, sometimes it's an, I wouldn't say it's an acquired taste, but it takes time to build that continuity, to build that that unit. And with all the influx of new guys, some young guys, you just wonder. Now, I, don't, I do believe that this Chiefs team, and to me, this is the first time that I can remember that I have absolutely no fear of the Chiefs having to go on the road and win in the playoffs. Like, there's no, like, and I don't want to, I don't, I'm not a jinx guy. I'm not a superstitious guy. I used to be, but I'm not. I just believe that with this offense, if you say there are of the top 52 guys that we went into game one that 48 or 49 of them are totally available and 100% in week 17 ready to cruise into the playoffs, I'm not scared to go anywhere with that group. Nah. I'm not scared to go anywhere. So, to me, that that allows us to kind of have a little bit more of an exhale opportunity now with the, some of these guys on the shelf. You got, you know, Okafor in an ankle, Clark with a neck. You got Breeland uh, with a sternum issue that they're calling it, Jones with a groin. He played he, – he actually full practice today, so it looks like he may get on the field quicker. But – even though it's an impact overall, I guess I don't feel like it's something that's going to be a true detriment to this team.
0: No, not at all. Not at all. I, and one one other thing that you can look at, too, um, when it comes to this offense, of course it's great to have an offense that can put up a lot of points on the board. But if you want to help your defense out even more, run the ball. sustain drives. sustain the drives. Mm-hmm. Take the time off the clock. When you're looking at the stats at the end of the day, the Chiefs, they've been—I mean, they've had the ball for 20 minutes out of a game, 22 minutes, 27 minutes, and then that means the other team has has the ball a lot more, which means the defense is on the field a lot more. So, if you're really trying to help these guys out, you know, try to cut down on their plays, run the ball, run the clock out, and give them opportunity to rest.
2: That time in possession is, is critical. It's, yeah. it, it's if you even look at the Monday night game, Pittsburgh. Uh, you could see Mike Tomlin said before that game, "We're going to run the ball. We're going <laughs> to run James Conner." Is from Erie, PA, where I am. Shout out to him. But we're going to run him until he, until the wheels fall off and uh, they got their their ship right. Yep. And, um, we're going to have to develop a run game here in Kansas City, especially as Mahomes comes back from his injuries. You can't always do a lot of the things that you did with him before. You can't get him out on the perimeter with those sprint outs mm-hmm. and with the naked bootlegs and all the things that we're accustomed to seeing him. Right. So, look, we need to get Damian Williams and, and Shady McCoy Going. Yeah. yeah. And if we have a fullback, let's run some ISO plays, yeah, run some, some two-back some two back powers, whatever we need to do to uh, be able to hold on to that ball a little bit longer. You Absolutely. know
1: what's interesting as a, as a defensive player, you look at the dynamic of offense, defense, and the mindsets. You guys, what, you guys will be okay with being on the field for six play drives, you know, yeah. three and outs, six play drives. But you want us to be on the field for 10, 12 play drives. You know what I mean? Yeah. So from the from that perspective what you're talking about is, you know, give us some time, run the ball, take up some clock, time of possession. You guys would prefer, yeah, every once in a while you want to stay on the field and, you know, if they get a 10-play drive, you got that's 10 plays, you could an opportunity to make 10 plays. Right. But for the most part, you guys would prefer to be on the field 6 to 8 plays at the most. Yeah. Punt and then want you actually want us to be on the field for for 10 to 12 or 10 to 14 to give you guys a break and to be able to you know, get your bearings amongst you and so on. I never thought of it that way. I, I, I guess I never pictured it. I'm like, you know, everybody wants to be on the field. Or everybody wants to play. Yeah. But that's a crazy dynamic. So injuries you can't control. But there's an aspect of this defense that you can. One of you guys played this position, and it hurt me. I had to broadcast it. I had to put it out there on Twitter, at Da Guy, 83 on Twitter. Follow me. My Iowa linebackers. Now the linebacking core, but I ha- obviously there was a focus on my Hawkeye linebackers that are part of this Chiefs team. Uh, Hitchens and you know Aaron Jones exposed them. Yes, Ben Neiman he exposed them. Yes, this past weekend I thought that there maybe there should have been an adjustment, maybe with an Armani Watts or a safety to go in in those packages because if we were a stout defense with linebacking cores like Derrick Johnson, like, uh, you know, Ray Lewis types or whatever, that we are stout versus the run with certain personnel, then I say you keep that personnel and you try to live with it. Yeah. But being that we're not, to me, substituting one of those linebackers out, even if Aaron Jones is in and he's in the backfield and replacing him with a safety, you don't lose much. Move the safety into the box. I don't see that you lose much by taking one of those guys out because you also protect him by when Aaron Jones splits out. Now you have a safety out there that's used to being on all that real estate, and you may not have a guy fall for a pump and go or, or you know, fall for a bubble screen and, and take it to the house like they did. And, you know, am, am, am I crazy from that perspective in regards to our linebacking core?
0: Yeah, um, yes and no. So you're not crazy because you do want someone that, that can go out there and it's better at coverage. Um, but also, when you're putting in a smaller body, offenses, they see that. So now you got a smaller body. You have a guy that, that don't know how to play in the box. Now we can just run the ball, and we're going to run at him because now we can send our offensive linemen to these smaller guys. They're not going to get off a the block. They don't, they, ha, they don't work that. Not get a bigger body. So it's gonna, it'll, it would make it much tougher in the run game. And what, i also seen um, this past game, too, where – they came out. It was, I think it was like third and six, third and seven. Green Bay came out eleven personnel, one running back, and we had three three down linemen. So I, I understand that you know we want we want to get some different looks. We want to do some different things where we can put pressure on the quarterback. But at the end of the day, when you have a defense that's giving up a ton of rushing yards each and every week, you got to make sure you're you're preparing for the worst, and that's them running the ball on you, even though it's, seven, it's third and six and seven.
2: Yeah, that's been the formula, right, to beat the Chiefs the uh, last couple home games. Run the ball. Run the run ball, the ball run, the, yeah. run the ball. It's uh, Those offensive linemen love it. They start salivating oh, when yeah. it, when it's time to only run because they get usually get a, a check on their uh, – a positive on their grade sheet. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, the thing that really, in my opinion, watching uh, the game on Sunday was the route, the specific route that Aaron Jones was running. He was running that arrow or hide route yeah. where he – kind of goes to his right or left, and then dips right back up the middle of the mm-hmm. field. That's a that's a tall order for those linebackers uh, to pick up, Yeah, un, un, unless you are like a Jalen Smith with the Cowboys right. or, or Vander Esch, who are, who are very fast. The problem, too, was that the Chiefs were playing zero coverage, and if you don't know what zero coverage is at home, that means there is no safety back there. Everybody is one-on-one, and you're usually sending one more. Not usually, but you're sending one more than they can block and the way that they were getting away with a lot of things is, too, if that running back flares to your side, the defensive end is now responsible for the running back. Mm -hmm. And that's just a a bad matchup. I just talked about Tano Passaniel being big and physical. Well, that's a bad matchup if he has to take him. And well, try to carry him down the field.
1: Everything is lovely for you guys when you're inside the trenches. When you guys have to get out in space, that's just not your strength. So, like you said, there's responsibilities. I think, you know, in the in the days of the Madden, uh, you know, 2Ks and everybody, you know, video games and, you know, YouTubing everything and breakdowns, everybody thinks that it's cut and dry. But if a running back goes one way, has a, a person has a whole different responsibility. Running back goes another way. A person has a whole different responsibility. That's mm-hmm. that's the stuff that I loved on offense is knowing that we can twist you guys up just by moving motion, uh, you know, uh, an escape route from a running back, yeah. a hide route, or a bubble screen from a wide receiver. You guys have to be totally on your toes because your response – for wide receivers, our responsibility is hook route, out route, post route, go route, whatever it is. You guys' responsibilities at full speed could actually change yep. at the snap, from what you guys broke the huddle with to what the, what the snap is to where a guy a certain guy goes, all of that on the move. So I don't feel bad for y'all. I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's,
0: it's, a, it's, a, it's a lot that has to go on, but at the end of the day, um, when you're working it so much in practice, you can't go out there and mess it up on the field. And, you know, that's just that's something that happens. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about this
1: defense and, more importantly, about the home Losing streak. Three words that I would thought I would never ever say about Arrowhead and the Chiefs here. A home losing streak. We're going to tackle that after halftime. This is Players Only. Halftime's over. Got your juice. Made the adjustments. Coming out of halftime. This third quarter of the show. This is Players Only. Joe Mays, our guest, Eric Hicks, yo, and yo. I am Dana Hughes. We got the text line getting active. Nice. From the 816, if we put the Honey Badger on man coverage against opposing running backs, would that solve the issue?
2: I think it would be better than putting a line. Putting yeah. It would be
1: better than what it is, but I don't know if it'll solve it.
2: it I don't know if anything is going to yeah. necessarily solve it. I think it would probably be a better circumstance if you did that. But he does so much for that defense. It's you know, it's oh, yeah. hard for him to pin down just one role.
0: Yeah. Of course it may help, but I I you know, I, I think you want your, your best player on the defense to, you know, be able to roam and, and help people out. Um, my favorite guy to play with, um, uh, was Brian Dawkins. And they never asked him to just play man to man. He was always back there enforcing.
1: So mm-hmm. I'm not saying
0: that Honey Badger is an enforcer by any means, but he's a playmaker. Oh yeah. You allow your playmakers to roam, help guys out, be able to look at the quarterback, see the ball and make plays.
1: Which means that you wouldn't necessarily have him just lining up man to man against Running backs, because then that negates his playmaking ability for everything else that could happen. Absolutely, offenses
2: love when they can go in and put on the film on mm-hmm. on Monday morning when they go to break down a game, and you see a player just in one spot or yeah. pigeonholed into into one role. It, it really makes their week a lot easier. We, we
1: yeah. got we got a couple of questions about this. Your Chiefs defense back in '98 from the 913. How would the '98 Chiefs game plan for Patrick Mahomes? <laughs>
2: Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> he said he is a generational type player yep. uh, to be able to see the things that he did. Now, we had a lot of good players on that defense, great players, Hall of Famers. I probably played with six or seven Hall of Famers on that defense. Um, you know, it doesn't really do good to have a spy on him because he doesn't necessarily take off and run down the yeah, field every time. Not like time. Jackson, yep. Right. But we would – you, you have to get home and playing with gunther cunningham I, I had gunther as a defensive coordinator as a head coach back as a defensive coordinator gunther would probably just get pissed off and uh get him sickle uh, yep yeah. and, and send <laughs> and send everybody i don't know Dana, uh, you were here remember when todd collins came oh, yeah. in in 1998 as well and the year before that in buffalo in buffalo mm-hmm. um i wasn't here yet but gunther showed the the film you know, a million times about four straight plays on the on the goal line. Yeah. We sent a zero coverage at Todd Collins, and we just get we just wore him out. <laughs> um, the only thing is that the the Chiefs uh, have a couple speedy guys, from what I could tell, mm-hmm. on the field, and the guy throwing the ball and when 15's out there, you know, he probably throw it eighty yards in the air. So you would have to get home, and Better you would get have there to you would have to hang on Tyreek Hill uh, like your life depended on it, which. To me, it looks like a low percentage move.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, as, uh, they said uh, from the nine one three. One more question: the best AFC West game that you played in from ninety eight to two thousand with that defense?
2: Well, that's hard. Um,
0: that would probably have to be the worst game that you guys played, right? Like playing against the offense. Well, the worst, the yeah. well, that, that really the worst game
2: were. I ever played was when the Raiders went to the Super Bowl in two thousand two. In Oakland, which was also the coldest game I've ever played, and what did Mark Twain say, the, uh, the coldest winter I ever spent was the Your summer son. I spent in San Francisco. <laughs> and uh, they ran the ball probably with Charlie Garner sixty five times and forced Portray Crockett to come down and and come down and tackle all those plays. And uh, yeah, that was that was a rough one.
1: Well, you talk about the coldest day out in Oakland, which is kind of strange because we play out here in the Midwest and. We played, you played in New York with the Jets for a period of time, but playing here in Arrowhead, you know, I always tell people that Arrowhead experience, especially back in the nineties, I felt like when we got off the bus, when we parked our car, we were up seven, nothing. We just knew that the fans were going to be that much of an impact in the game that we felt like we already had a touchdown lead going into the game against anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, That mystique is still there. The fan the crowd noise, the break in the decibel level, I mean, it's still there. But yet we are we are in the midst of something that outside of the four and twelve and two and fourteen seasons and during those those dark times that we talked about last week, we haven't really experienced. Like I could and I'm sure it's more, but I can think of five losses that I had at Arrowhead. You know, it's probably I played six years, so it might be closer to ten, especially if you mix in nineteen ninety eight. But for the most part, I can think of probably five losses that I had at Arrowhead because of how much of a home field advantage we have. Mm -hmm. But now we're in uncharted territory because we are 1-3. With this great team that's supposed to be a Super Bowl team, we're 1-3 at Arrowhead. Two of those games in prime time. uh, And we wet the bed and didn't get the job done. Mm -hmm. Now we can make the excuses and the reasons with injuries and so on, but the fact remains is, we're one and three, and we got another game here at Arrowhead. I mean, am I, am I, am I like I feel like there's there's an issue that needs to be addressed with that, or are we in a mindset of oh, once we get healthy, everything will be okay?
0: You, know, I think that's the only way that you can go about it. Uh, it's getting healthy, getting your guys back out there fresh and ready to go. Um, of course, you you want the younger guys to be able to step up and play well, and you want to get a W. But at the end of the day, you have to take care of what you can take care of. And, you know, being at home, you do have that advantage. You got the fans. They're yelling and screaming. You know, they're making sure they're putting a lot of pressure on the teams. But let's not forget these teams that show up each and every week. They're professionals. They work on this every week. Yeah. They work on this too. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, right? <laughs> and in practice, they have music blasting. They have crowd noise blasting. They want to make sure these guys can, you know, they can communicate. They can, you know, do whatever they need to do in order to get at least one playoff. And take it play by play. So, um, you know what? It's just it's just the fact that teams are t- are taking advantage of you know the opportunities that's that's being presented.
2: Yeah, you know they've obviously been some glaring problems stopping the run. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't care where you play that. that <laughs> oh yeah, that's first your run foremost. game. Your run game is getting on the plane and getting on the bus with you, and you you could take that anywhere. There used to be an old saying um, in the NFL when I was first coming up. You you strive to win all eight of your home games and, yeah. and split on the road. road. That's how difficult the National well, Football League is. Well,
1: Marty used to say you win at home and you win the games you're supposed to win. So you're probably going to play a couple of teams that are poor. Mm-hmm. You're going to play a couple of teams that might be even with you. But if you win your eight games at home or seven of them, that puts you in double-digit wins right there and you're in the playoffs. Now – you know, we couldn't figure out how to get through the playoffs, <laughs> but we could fi- we always or seem to always figure out how to get to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like what you're saying e, is, you know, you, you home field is very important. Now, this team is also 4-0 and on the road, which is, you know, unheard of for teams or for the most part for teams to be that good on the road and not play as well at home.
2: I think ultimately, you know, 10 or 11 wins is 10 or 11 wins. Now we'd like to give our great fans the satisfaction yeah. of winning in front of them because they put so much into the experience. I remember driving up to Arrowhead every year, every year, every Sunday, as soon as I rolled down my window to talk to the parking attendant that I was a player, mm-hmm. and you caught that off the barbecue, my whole switch in my head turned around. Yep. Um, that's what that's an what an jump advantage started, it yeah. is, yeah. It's uh, it's a truly unique place, hallowed place, um, in in football history, and uh, hopefully we can get some of that back here pretty soon.
1: Now, Eric, you you talked about it earlier, and and I, I've said it all week long in regards to when you play Patrick Mahomes, what's going on with the the loss losses at home, but are we worried about the AFC West, like? Like I don't feel like I'm worried about the AFC West. I I mean, yeah, the closest team to us right now, I believe, is the Raiders. Mm -hmm. And we already beat them. So we got the tiebreaker and we play them at home. And I think for the second year in a row, uh, and I don't remember years in the past, but for the second year in a row, we have all three other AFC teams at home to end the season. Where, you know, you you played them on the road earlier and now you get to come back home. We get the Chargers twice, but we play them out in uh, L.A. first. Uh, that's a big a big get because, to me, I don't see this team going 1-7 at, at Arrowhead. So you're assuming that they're going to actually beat one of those AFC West opponents, or at least one of them, which is going to keep them in that two, possibly three-game lead mm-hmm. uh, ahead of them. And if we're a four-seed in the playoffs, like I said earlier, I'm not scared to go anywhere.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, here, here's the thing. Yeah. Um, for me, if you, you talk about nobody really is afraid. Dana's not saying afraid. These players are professional, make a lot of money. Right. Uh, they, they, respect, they respect people. People respect each other in the NFL because ultimately everybody's doing what everybody else is, is trying to do. The only reason I would worry about the AFC West is they have some pretty good backs in that conference. Yeah. And what problem do we have now? Stopping, uh, stopping, the, stopping run. the run. Yeah. And what people don't realize is The collective bargaining agreement that came out severely limits teams from being able to go out in pads and work later in the season. And what that does is the lines, offensive and defensive lines, start to play really high. You can't really have your run fit because you can't front up a back anymore. And when that is a glaring problem for you, you want to be able to get in there with pads on as we would have back in the day on Wednesday and Thursday in nine-on-seven, the run period, and – We'd be out there until <laughs> till we're in, a, until yeah. you're in the right place.
0: And then there's rivalry games too. I mean these these are rivalry games we're talking about. These these are probably the harder games that you're going to play during the season because each and every individual team they know how to play each other very well. Mm-hmm. So it, I mean, it's pride. It, it, yeah, it's pride it's, it's, de- it's definitely pride. Um, and these guys are going to they're going to give it their best. They're going to play their best football against the Chiefs. Every single team from this point on is going to play their best. So. Worry, I'm not sure. Concern, possibly, because you want you guys to go out there playing fast and playing well all together.
1: Well, you talk about playing fast, playing well, playing the best football, all those different anecdotes in regards to this Chiefs team. When we come back for the fourth quarter, we're going to talk about the Chiefs versus the Vikings and what we see in that game and keys to, to victory and everything they need to accomplish to get back on that hot side, get some a win here for the Arrowhead fans, and get back on the positive side before they Head out of town, down to Tennessee. This is Players Only. And we're back. Four fingers in the air. Fourth quarter of the show, Players Only. Winding down these last segment. And there's two topics I want to tackle. There's a hot topic that's going on in sports Mm -hmm. that I think is very important. I've tweeted about it a lot. I think people that are either envious or jealous or... Don't want to admit what's right uh, are the opponents of what's gone on in the NCAA recently. Now, granted, it's just, you know, sprinkles of something. It's the beginning of something, but it's the beginning of something that has never been talked about before. And that's allowing athletes to make money off of their likeness in college, and I've been very vocal about it. I've tweeted about it, and, you know, it's hard to get it all in 140 characters and all that jazz. But, you know, when I was in college, I went from New Jersey to Iowa. First plane ride I ever took. Uh, Parents had opportunities to send me money at times, but it wasn't enough, Mm -hmm. I should say. Um, I started all four years. Uh, I redshirted and started all four years, every game but one game. Played two sports. Played professionally at one while I was still in college. And yet, I didn't have money to go on a proper date. Didn't have money to order food for myself. Had to pool in money with two and three other football players, as big as you guys, because mm-hmm. that's who I was cool with. And we had to order pizza. And uh, didn't go home on spring breaks or winter breaks very often because I couldn't afford a flight to get back home. Um, so... When, to me, things don't get real until they get personal. And it's easy for a lot of the naysayers out there to, to mention and be opposed to guys uh, making money off of their likenesses. But I remember specifically watching people buy number three jerseys at Iowa, walk around, ask me to sign them, and they were jerseys I couldn't even afford to buy. And even because they didn't have Hughes on the back, then that's, why, that's how the NCAA or that's how colleges got away with it. It was just number three. But I'm the only number three on the team. Right. And so, I mean, I think it's a great, great deal for the NCAA. It's great for future athletes, um, for a car dealership, a store, a restaurant to call in and say, Joe, can you come down here for an hour and sign autographs and I'll give you $500. For, for uh, you know, uh, some business to say, hey, Eric, you come in, and uh, try on some clothes and, and be here to meet and greet, and we'll give you $1,000. And you're not breaking the bank. Nobody's going to drive away in, in Ferraris and Benzes and all that, but it, it allows you to be equal with every other student who happens to be on scholarship. That, that They can do that whether they play the piano, whether they're in the marching band. They can go out, bartend, and do whatever, and make money. So should athletes.
2: Yeah, to me, it's, it's all good in theory. And uh, they're placating a lot of people by putting out this this ruling now, not mm-hmm. supposed to take advantage. But um, it's, it's a blessing to have a scholarship in college, obviously. But all you have to look at is the top guys in a program, whatever program it is. Mm-hmm. The school is making a lot of money Absolutely. off of off money. them.
1: Absolutely. A ton of money. So we're going to tackle the, the this Vikings. I wanted to get that off my chest. Yep. Right? We're going to talk about it more in the future because I think it's going to continue to grow, especially as you get towards the end of the season. But we got to get to the Vikings game and the game preview against this Vikings team coming into Arrowhead. A lot of people from that great state of Minnesota are going to be working their way down I-35. Hotels are booked. You betcha. You're going <laughs> to have, have all that Don't coming you in. know? What do you guys see about this Vikings team in this matchup?
0: Well, they've been playing really well lately. Um, and I'm talking about run game, pass game. Um, Cousins, he's been playing very well. The running back, he's been the best back in the league. Dalvin Cook, he's been the best running back in the league. So, uh, yes, this Chiefs team has, you know, a a tough, a tough, you know, they're going to have a tough time with this team. Um, It's a team that can run the ball, that can throw the ball, and they also have a defense that still ranks as one of the better defense in the league.
2: I think we need to get home on defense and hit Kirk Cousins as many times as you can. You know, kind of on the fence about him, what he what yeah. he maybe really is, been playing great, and um, you're going to get a steady dose of, of Dalvin Cook. He's going to be a rolling ball of butcher knives oh, yeah. if yeah. he don't slow him down. And that,
1: and that's the thing. I think it's a perfect uh, uh, preview or preclude to this game was playing the Green Bay Packers. I think it was better that you played the Packers first, then play the Vikings, then vice versa. And the reason why is Kirk Cousins is not as good, not as mobile as Aaron Rodgers. Uh, The running game and what you saw in Aaron Jones, probably not as good, but he showed himself to be much better than I would have thought going into the game. But maybe a little bit more of a picture of what you'll see with Dalvin Cook. So you have now not just the film that you watched of them playing other teams, but you actually have the film that you just watched of your team playing against the Green Bay Packers to go out and say, okay, these are the screws that need to be tightened up just a bit in order for us to be better against Dalvin Cook. I think the Chiefs will come out of this game winning this game. I think it'll probably be a double-digit type of win, maybe about 12 points, and I think they're going to correct a lot of the things, the mistakes that they made last week. Chris Jones will hopefully be back on the field, so I think it's going to be a special time to get that second win at Arrowhead Stadium this season.
0: And we need a run game need, a run
1: I need game. that run get game. shady hold on to the ball we were one mistake away from a win last week yep.
2: that's what's up
1: e <laughs> thanks for coming out Eric Hicks
2: <laughs> thank you guys Dan and Joe appreciate
0: being here yeah appreciate it it was a pleasure to meet you as nice well. to meet you story,
1: we don't want you little... long, we don't want you defensive people again too you know too much fraternizing so All uh right. you know don't get used to it but players only back next week Thursday 6 to 7 pm we're gonna tackle some great things and hopefully come after a chief's victory this week players only